The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code DKHOOPS. That's code DKHOOPS for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction, void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste, or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included. All while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit Spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply. Welcome back to NBA Finals File with Robert Ory and Jabari Davis. Hey, it's Robert Ory, and I am excited to be here. I played 16 seasons in the NBA, and during that 16-year span, I won seven titles with some great teams, played with some great players. But I'm so excited to be here to break down another NBA Finals file. Up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James with the rejection. And I'm still the guy that grew up in Los Angeles watching the Showtime Lakers. I came of age watching Rob and his exploits with the uh, Shaq and Kobe Lakers. And now I'm here sitting here talking to you about the NBA Finals. So life, you know, life really can't be much better than this. We had a great time breaking down the 2013 finals last week. You know, so we definitely appreciate each of you for tuning in again this week as we'll continue deep diving into the greatest NBA finals matchups in history. This week's series will be the 1984 finals between the Boston Celtics and the Los Angeles Lakers, which, you know, honestly, regardless of where the teams stand at a given time, I still think that remains the most famous rivalry in NBA history. And this rivalry is going to go down in history as one of the greatest in all sports. But you know what, Jamari? Funny thing about this series, and there was a period in the NBA where they talked about the scoring. I think it was like 1990 between and 2000 with the scoring. That in this series, you think about this. This is what, 84? Mm-hmm. The Lakers averaged over 120 points in this series. 
and the Boston Celtics averaged over 110 points in this series. So the score was up. Oh, yeah. I don't care what nobody say. It was scoring was up. So I'm excited to deep dive into this one. Honestly, that's the thing about the Showtime Lakers. They were bringing an extremely exciting style of basketball. And I'm not saying that, you know, the 80s weren't exciting beyond them, but their, you know, their brand was definitely, you know, my cup of tea. Uh, it, it was, you know, get up and play Basketball was at its, you know, it was just starting to peak. You know, the Lakers were bringing in Showtime. The Celtics was bringing in the tradition. The thing about the Celtics is people don't realize that team got out and ran too with DJ, you know, Maxwell, and of course, Bird. That team put up some points, and they said, if it works for the Lakers, it can work for us too. You know, it's interesting that you that you mentioned that there's a point in this series that we're going to get to later, you know, later in the conversation where, to, to be honest with you, it was basically the Celtics doing exactly that. They beat the Lakers at their own game. And it, it, it was kind of crazy to see. And on that note, later in the show, we'll be joined by Hall of Famer and three-time champ with these Lakers, a man who knows firsthand what, a, you know, what this series was like, Big Game James Worthy. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm extremely excited and, and, and happy that you were able to land Big Game for this. You know, I, I work with Big Game uh, when we cover the Lakers. And the crazy thing about this is I didn't know James got him down the floor like that, man. He was quick, man. So it's going to be exciting to talk to him about this because we talk about the current Lakers. We never really talk about the past Lakers because, you know, growing up a Laker fan, you watched them in Showtime, you watched them play, and now they really get the, get inside of his dome and understand the intricacies of this game and this series and how they used to play with Magic and Kareem. Think about this. Kareem, man. Probably the best player to ever played this game. I know people are going to say, what about MJ? But Kareem, he changed the game. So I'm excited for this one. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So another thing, another aspect of this that I really love, and let me, I'm wondering if you were in the same place. I really loved watching the old footage of this series. Uh, to be honest with you, I was instantly transported back in time. As soon as I heard that CBS, you know, the tone underneath. <laughs> Good afternoon, everybody. And welcome to the Boston Garden. I'm Brent Musburger. Five years ago, Magic Johnson out of Michigan State. Larry Bird out of Indiana State. They had played for the NCAA championship. Magic and Michigan State had won. Now in each of the last four NBA World Championship Series, either Magic or Bird has competed. But this is the first time that the two have gone head to head for the title. It's a matchup that everyone has waited for. Since Magic and Bird broke into the NBA, the Celtics and the Lakers have played each other 10 times and they are dead even, five victories apiece. The classic showdown. The Celtics and the Lakers, Bird against Magic. Do you remember those when you know what those Sunday morning games were like? I'm glad you brought that up because I, I, when I was watching, I'm like, okay, this is great coverage. You know, the game is fast. It's it's old school basketball. They they taking hard fouls. They getting up. They're not complaining. And then you get the broadcast and you listen to Tommy Heinz, and I'm like. God, dude, can you stop giving the Celtics all the love? But <laughs> but that's just how it is. Like, can you get somebody else on this, this broadcast? But that would made the game so great, though, because you got guys who fell in love with teams and they were still doing the broadcasting thing, and you wanted that other team to make that guy come up with some good words to say about that other team. It was so hard for Tommy, but... It, it, this was a great series. It took me back to the days, like you said, of, you know, old school basketball, just loving it, watching it, and just embracing it. This is, I think this series is a series that made me really become a Magic Johnson's fan. Really? And it's okay. So it's interesting that that is the case, especially given, you know, when you're so far removed from it, uh, you know, the, the, the it, it's called the tragic series. But I'm going to be honest with you, as I went through the as I went through the footage and, you know, and, and I can already see, you know, super, super producer Peter in the background shaking his head. 
But when I went through the series, I, I honestly said, you know, Magic was not bad in this series. He had some moments. Now, I, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I'm, you know, th- there's no way to get around it. He had some moments, you know, as well as some other guys had some moments with that, you know, that definitely appeared to play, you know, be a, play a role in the outcome. But in terms of the in terms of the actual battle, it, it was really was fantastic. Yeah, it was fantastic. And you 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 think about guys like Danny Ainge, who was key to the Celtics uh, lore later on. He wasn't even a factor in the series. Him and B. Scott were like rookies, fresh on the scene, playing you know miniature roles in this series. And you think about guys like Bird and Magic, who've been battling since college, and you know Magic getting the best of him in college. Now Bird says, you know what? I'm gonna get my get back on a bigger stage. And you know we we always talk about you know Kareem and Magic and Bird and and, and you know the late great Dennis Johnson. But you know who really impressed me in this series was Robert. Chief Parrish. He went to work. He held his own against Kareem. Not saying that he matched Kareem number for number, but he held his own. I mean, there's a reason why he's a Hall of Famer. And and on that note, let's actually talk about, you know, quickly discuss the historical uh, significance of the matchup. If I'm not mistaken, there were 10 Hall of Famers involved (laughs) involved in the series, including the coaches. But for a historical perspective, from 1959 to 1987, the Lakers and the Celtics competed in over a third of of all finals against one another. And I'll be (laughs) honest with you, that sounds crazy to say, but... One third of all finals played during that stretch were between the <laughs> were between these two teams, but the truth is those early Celtic teams absolutely dominated you know this rivalry. Young Lakers fans they may not you know fully understand the anguish of the '60s you know since the Lakers have if we're being honest they've won three of the last four finals matchups, but if you include the 19 you know 1959's Minneapolis Lakers which the Lakers do with obviously. Boston had previously owned Los Angeles to the tune of a 6-0 record in the, in, in the finals at the time that these teams squared off. Let me bring it to you with this. What has this rivalry meant to you, given the fact that you played six and a half years with the Lakers, and I, honestly, as a fan of the NBA in general? I think for me, being a big fan of basketball and a big fan of the NBA, you look at this rivalry, and it's great for basketball. Even though I didn't get a chance to play against the Celtics in the finals, um, I was kind of upset about that because you want to, you want the history. You want people to reach back to Red. You want people to reach back to Pat Riley and the Lakers. You want this to be talked about so you can, you know, stake your claim in NBA history because these teams have historical battles of going back to back. You just mentioned it all the times the Celtics have denied the Lakers a championship was exciting for me. And for me to sit back and, and relive this moment, I was like a little kid again. Remember sitting in front of the TV and my grandma said, "Boy, when is game gonna be over so I can watch something else?" <laughs> you know, <laughs> it, it, it was just fun to watch this game and relive it and, and and watch why I became a Magic fan and watch why Michael Cooper should be in the Hall of Fame and watch all these little things that went on in the game and to get ready to talk to James Worthy about the Worthy spin and how quick he was on the block and on the wing. It's it, it I'm, I'm giddy, man. That's all I can say. I'm giddy, but I'm giddy. I'm ready for this, man. Rob, I can tell you right now, I woke up four hours early for this because we're, 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 in, we're in the same boat. We're in the same boat. So let's go ahead and let's go ahead and discuss kind of how the teams got here, as we did in you know, with the first series. On the Celtic side of things, uh, the previous year they were swept by the Bucks in the semifinals. This, you know, for this particular season, they finished sixty-two and twenty, first in the Atlantic Division. Their path to the finals was a three-one uh, victory over the Bullets. You know, shout out to you know, shout out to the old Bullets. You know, now the you know Washington Wizards, obviously. A four-three victory over the Knicks, and then a four-one victory over the Bucks. Can I can I inter, can I interject oh, yeah. right here? People don't understand that Knicks team with Bernard King. 
And that was something special, man. Bernard King, if you go back and dive into that that series, you know Bernard King played with dislocated fingers and was still getting buckets. Well, his fingers may be bothering him. There's no question about it. He keeps rubbing them, trying probably to get some filling back into them. So that's all I'm going to say about that. So if people want to deep dive into that one, you need to go watch that series. And then, you know, bringing it back to this, for the Lakers, previous year they were swept in the finals by the Sixers. They finished 54-28 and this particular season. Oh, fo fo Hey, if, for people who don't know, fo 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 was Moses Malone's line when he said fo fo fo, and that's when you rock the baby and put the baby to sleep. That's the Dr. J dunk too. So it's so many outstanding things about that. Even though they got swept, people look at that one because you had the doctor, you had Moses. Lakers fans might not want to look into it, but it was good for basketball. It, it's one of those where when you when you're a fan of the a team, an organization like the Lakers, you know that you're going to have a lot of highs. But you also understand you're in the spotlight a lot. There's going to be some of those moments too. You just have you just and to be honest with you, this series that we're we're about to break down is one of those is one of those moments. <laughs> exactly. And then for, you know for the Lakers side of things again, you know once again they finished 54 and 28. Uh, they were first in the Pacific Division that season. Their path to the finals and and this one threw me off because I for, I had actually forgotten that the the Kings came from Kansas City. They uh, swept the Kings in the first round 3-0. Uh, they were 4-1 over the Mavericks in the second round, and in the Western Conference Finals, they took the Suns 4-2. Yeah, they had, they had a, a a great run. And when you are a team and you get hot down the stretch, you look at that run. You know, they really wasn't challenged like the Celtics were. So that means you should have a little bit more rest, and you should you, you, you're peaking at the right time, and you should be ready to deep dive into this next series and be ready for them. And, and, and coming out the gate, the Lakers were. They were. They were. You know, we were the favorites, and, and we made our way. They won the East. We won the West. So it's like uh, everybody just get ready, sit back, and uh, let's enjoy it. <laughs> and actually, before we jump into game one, let's talk about just quickly the coaching matchup because we've got Casey Jones and Pat Riley, both of which, you know, okay, so from Casey Jones' side of things, those of us that go you know, go back with this rivalry, we know he's a, long, he's a lifelong Celtic. But one thing that I I had forgotten, or you know, that I, I might I may not have ever known, he actually got his coaching career started as a Lakers assistant coach during the 71-72 season when the Lakers beat the Knicks for that title. But this was Jones's first year as Boston's head coach, and it, it was actually the start of an impressive four-year stretch where Boston represented the Eastern Conference in the finals, ultimately winning two of them along the way. Can you speak to Casey Jones and his importance as a coach? You know, I, I never got a chance to meet uh, Casey Jones, and he, he, from watching him coach, you would never know he was coaching in a game. His demeanor was always the same. He kept it cool. He kept it calm. And for him to be able to come into that arena, especially Boston, and for them fans to embrace him, because we know Boston was not the easiest place for a brother. And for him to take over the reins as the coach for the Celtics and lead him to the championship was, was amazing because, you know, my hat's off to a guy who can go under that type of pressure and scrutiny and come out on top. Absolutely. Without question, you hear some of the, you know, this is not a secret. You hear some of the stories that Bill Russell endured and some of the other players have endured. It is absolutely that much more impressive that Casey Jones was able to do that. I also want to give shots out to Red Arback for having the guts to hire him because it has to start somewhere. And for Red Arback to say, you know what, Casey Jones, you got to him because this team can win a championship under your leadership. You know what? You're exactly right. And more than anything, and look, I never met Red Arabic. I never had, you know, never had the pleasure. He seemed like a guy that was all about winning. 
It's as simple as that. Yes. If you if you if you were able to if you were able to put him in a position to win, he was going to back you. And I can I can absolutely respect and appreciate that. Ditto. So from the uh, from the Lakers side of things, before we hit this break, you know, Riley, he was actually in the midst of another very similar four year stretch where the Lakers represented the Western Conference, you know, uh, four consecutive years. And they wound up winning two titles along the way. But extending, you know, Riley's run a bit further, his Lakers ultimately won, won the West seven of eight times and grabbed four titles over the entire run. I'll be honest with you. Even though I knew, you know, I, I know how successful Pat Riley has been, obviously, you know, with the Lakers and in beyond, you know, like, you know, for the last 30 years afterwards. But there's just something about that. Winning the West at that time, seven out of eight times is just is absolutely impressive to me. Yeah. When you, you look at his career, it doesn't get talked about enough. You know, he won with the Lakers, almost won with the Knicks. Now he won at the franchise in Miami. He's a winner. And he has the formula for wherever he goes. And when you have the formula, guys kind of buy into your system. You think about it, he coached some of the greatest players that played his game. And he's one of the greatest coaches. He won a championship as a player. He won championships as a coach. He won championships as a GM. You know, next thing he got one championship as an owner or something else. But the guy, whenever he goes, winning follows him. And when winning follows you, you get the respect. You get the respect of all the players in the league, you get the respect of all the coaches, GMs, everybody. And he ha he has that empowerment to bring people together and how guys, you know, put aside their egos and play as one. It's as simple as that. And on that note, let's take a quick break before we get into more Pat Riley stuff and come back and discuss the first couple games of this series here on the NBA Finals File. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code DKHOOPS. That's code DKHOOPS for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction, void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See DKNG bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. If you use paper, you're a human. But if you choose paper, you're a papertarian. Someone who lives a paper-based lifestyle because it has a positive impact on the planet. And also because it's the easiest choice you'll make all day. Seriously. It's as easy as reaching for boxed instead of bottled water. It's as easy as opting for beauty products that come in paper packaging. It's as easy as grabbing eggs in a cardboard container. And that's all in one trip to the grocery store, which, if we're being honest, you were planning to go to anyway. But paper isn't just an easy choice. Papertarians know that it's the smart choice, too. Because paper comes from trees, a renewable and sustainably managed resource. And paper products are designed to be recycled. In fact, when you choose products that come in paper-based packaging, those fibers can go on to be recycled up to seven times. So why wouldn't you go papertarian? I'll wait. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. 
If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, we've set the table for the series pretty well at this stage, but let's go ahead and dive into Game 1. So Game 1 is in Boston. This is significant because not only you know was Boston 33-8 and eight on the year at home this season, you just didn't walk into the old garden in the playoffs and get very many wins. But at least we got the game in our court, and uh, our fans will be hyped up, and it'll be fun. Rob, I'm interested. Where's the toughest home crowd that, or advantage that you ever faced? I, I, for me, it was Sacramento, Sacramento Kings, oh. because mm-hmm. their arena was a small arena, college-like atmosphere. The acoustics were bad, and it was one point in time where Phil Jackson called it a cowbell town, and... Everybody in the arena the next time we played there brought in cowbells and we could not hear Phil call out plays. We could not hear him do his patented whistle. So that was one of those arenas you're like, man, this thing is loud. But at the end of the day, when you got Kobe and Shaq on your team, the crowd quickly goes silent. Yeah, they found a way to (laughs) shut them up one way or another. Exactly. All right. Yes. So keeping it with this series. In game one, the Lakers actually jumped out to a fast start, and Kareem really asserted himself. He starts the game five for five, and he does it in a variety of ways, including getting in transition, he's punishing him, you know, punishing Boston along the baseline, and of course, he's utilizing the patented skyhook, you know, from the mid post. But Rob, I was really surprised with how mobile Kareem still was at this stage, you know, when I was going through the footage of this series. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar revitalized and the oldest player at age 37 in the playoffs, has five of the nine points for the Lakers so far. He has won an NBA title for two franchises, Milwaukee and Los Angeles. People were trying to retire him, and I guess they still are, but he still has that sky hook and that great competitive spirit. Best season he's had in a long time. Played exceptionally well this year. Did that stand out to you as well? It it did. 37 years old, able to get up and down the court, um, battling migraines throughout this, this, this series. You know, Tommy, the physical conditions of the two teams are in pretty good shape right now. However, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, who has had migraine headaches, which have affected him in the past, he has not had a migraine all year, but today he has. He did not show up for the pregame meal this morning or the Laker workout early today. He says he's feeling better and he's going to play, but that is a factor. Kareem had a more concrete description of his frequent migraine attack. It's like a physical, it's like a mechanical thing, like your tires being out of line. And for him to be able to do a little moves and skyhook, man, I, I don't think fans or even players understand how pretty that skyhook was. And it never, I think nine times out of ten, it was nothing but the bottom of the net. It never hit the rim. It was his patented shot that he went to, and nobody could block it. I'm going to ask you this. I was going to I was going to save it for later, but why is it that no one practices that now? I know that there's that one you know, small garden league. He just got a call up from the you know, from the G League doing it, but by and large, nobody does it. Why is it? It's a difficult shot, man. Okay, <laughs> that's what people don't understand. <laughs> you know, that's why it was hard to block. To master that, you got to be very skilled. And Kareem, think about that. He is so skilled in so many areas of the game that you know. He can you know hit you with a jump hook. He can hit you with a drop step. He can get out and fill the lanes. But the sky hook, 
That's why he has this whole little organization called the Skyhook because nobody can repeat that move, man, because it's too hard. It's too difficult to learn. I, I, it's crazy to think that it's too difficult to learn, but I'm going to take your word for it. I'm going to absolutely <laughs> take your word for it. I, it it's, but to your, to your point, it's such a beautiful shot and such a perfect weapon. It's just, it's always going to be one of those things that I, I, I wish we saw, you know, more of. But anyhow, in this series, you know, so Kareem starts off five for five, and like, you know, as we already mentioned, he's dominating them. But Jabbar in that low post position is an automatic two with the sky hook. And his passing may come into play as he's double-teamed more and more. Isolated. And Kareem with the skyhook across the middle is 5 for 5 now. 11 points. He is the high scorer in the ballgame. But even when Boston adjusted and they started sinking in on Kareem or doubling him on the catch, guys started stepping into open mid-range you know, and three-point shots and knocking him down. Missing. Rebounding is Magic Cooper and the fast break on the town. And they did it enough to keep Boston's defense honest throughout the, you know, throughout the course of this game. This is the thing about basketball. When you have a dominant guy that's killing people in the post, you don't want to let him keep getting buckets. You want to try to stop him. So you're going to, you know, double team and you try to pick someone who is not the best shooter to leave open. And game one, they left guys open. You had guys, rookie by the name of Byron Scott, go for 14. And you had Coop, who went for 11. And these guys were coming off the bench, knocking out Jays. They weren't shooting the long ball like they do in this day and age, but it was knocking down mid-ranges, and that was the, keeping everybody honest. And it also allowed, you know, Worthy and Magic and those other two Hall of Famers to go off. Larry Bird against Cooper. Johnson doubles in the steal by James Worthy. It's Worthy all the way. And he can take care of the court in just a couple of strides, Tommy. But the fastest power forward I know of in the NBA, and that's been for a long, long time. In a lot of ways, he's revolutionized the position. Okay, so I'm actually going to, this is going to be one of those moments where I take up for Magic a little bit. One of the things that I did notice as well, because again, you know, the knock on Magic was, oh, well, he couldn't shoot. So it, 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 it really, to me, was that the shot looked like a shot put, but it went in and was effective, especially when he needed it to be. Magic's been successful so far, hitting from outside, and he continues to be so. He has eight points now, and it's a 20 to six game. Phoenix made that strategy work, backing down on Kareem and allowing the outside shots, but the Lakers getting them here today. You know, it's it's so many people that talk about, oh, he couldn't shoot, but he could score. Mm-hmm. He can get other people to score. And through this was early in Magic's career. I think it was his fifth year in the league. And he was still learning the game, too. He's learning how to play and learning how to shoot the rock. Because as you get older as an NBA player, your shot becomes more consistent. You have you have more confidence in your shot. You know, when I watched Magic, I could only think of a guy by the name of Jason Kidd that kind of came in the same situation as Magic. Wasn't a very good shooter. By the time he left the league, he was a good shooter. And that's how Magic was. He started out, he wasn't a good shooter. I think sometimes when you got guys like Magic and Jason Kidd, they're so into trying to make other people around them better. All they're doing is focus on getting you the ball in the right spot for you to score. And they forget that they need to score sometimes. And like you said, nobody, you know, really nobody enters a league as a finished product. So it's really a testament to those to the greatness of those players to continue to develop over the course of the, over the course of their careers. In this game, Boston actually cuts L.A.'s lead down with seven seconds left in the first half on a on a pair of bird free throws. But then Magic happens to pick up his third foul on a play where, and Riley brings Cooper off the bench. Now, I already know <laughs> I already know how much of a fan of Cooper's you are. <laughs> a good outlet pass from Rambis hits Worthy in stride, and he finds Cooper you know, for a three right before the halftime buzzer. My question to you is this. 
I know that, you know, plenty of folks will tell you that there's no such thing as momentum when it comes to sports. But you tell me, what does a last second shot like that do to you, you know, like as the opposing team after, particularly after you fought back and chopped down a big lead? Sometimes as athletes, we have that little devil or angel on the shoulders and saying, they whisper in you, it's meant to be. And when you believe something is meant to be, it can carry you over to the next half or, or the, the next game or whatever it may be. And when you hit a shot like that, it's almost like a sign like, ah, it's meant to be, you know, and, and, it, and, it, and it's a momentum thing. And when your guys, like, even you go back to when I played and Samaki Walker hits a shot, you know, against the Sacramento Kings, it's like, ah, we're meant to, we're meant to win this game. It's a confidence builder. It, it gets you riled up, and you go into halftime feeling good. It's the worst thing is going to halftime down by a lot of points, and you feel demoralized, and you can't do anything. But when you hit a shot at the buzzer like that, especially a difficult shot, it's like, ah, oh, it's meant to be. So it, it, it's a feel-good thing. That does make sense. It, it, you know, from the from the fans' perspective, we we definitely believe in momentum and, and, and things of that nature. But I always wondered, you know, from the player side of things, you know, what that feels like. So Boston comes out in the third quarter, and they do, you know, they they go to work. Mikael does a lot of damage. He, you know, he's punishing the Lakers, in, you know, in in the interior. But the Lakers did a really good job of making life difficult for Bird in this game. To be honest with you, this was probably the only game where he struggled. He starts the game off two for nine. Well, the Celtics trying to get Larry Bird the ball in the low post to try and take advantage of Michael Cooper. He's much smaller, but he's not having his game today, Larry Bird. You know, he does finish, you know, seven for 17 and grabs 14 rebounds. So make no mistake about it. Bird's still going to make an impact on the game. But for this game in particular, by comparison, you know, to how he performed in the rest of the in the rest of the series, do you think it was really just a matter of him like kind of finding his sea legs or or, or just figuring out how to attack the, you know these Lakers? You know, sometimes guys just start off slow. And when you're the type of player like Bird, you're going to try to get everybody else involved to make the game easier for you. All the great ones have done that. And you know, Bird is one of the best players that ever played this game. You know, watching him in this series, I'm like, man, Bird could shoot that ball. And he didn't force a lot of shots in this series. He took what the defense gave him, and that what was important. You know, if I'm a Celtics fan at this moment, I'd be like, no, Bird, take over. Take more shots. But in this day and age, he was getting the ball to Parrish. He was getting the ball to Maxwell. He was getting the ball to McHale, who had 25 points in this game. So you have to say, sometimes it's not all about me. It's about we. And Bird knows how to pick his spot. Like you said, like a lot of great players, they know when to step up. Money on the line. Who's the greatest small forward for you? Let me get your top three. Uh, my top three? Um it depends. Outside of you, of course. It's, yeah. It's okay. Now it's, it's not. It's, that's hard. Now I'm not in that top five. I'm just kidding. But uh, Scottie Pippen. Um, okay. He's probably gonna be my number one. And I'm not just going. You know, a lot of people want to go by stats. I'm going by what I like. What I, I who are my top? Um, Dominique Wilkins. Um, oh, okay. And then the last is Grant Hill. I, I think Grant Hill, before he got injured and all these things, he was a dynamic type of player. I hated guarding him. But those are my three top small forwards, you know. So I, because nowadays, you know, is LeBron a small forward? Is he a power forward? Is Katie a small forward? Is he a power forward? There's so many other guys now. But for me, I'm going with the generation I played in and the guys I played against. It's almost like you could see my face and see and see the gears grinding. Because I was like, wait a second, what about LeBron? What about KD? What yeah. about? But it's, it, if you're considering them more power forwards, I can I, I can see that. I know people are probably going to think I'm saying this because I was a small forward. But to me, small fours are always the best players in a game. 
because they have to do a little bit of everything. They have to, you know, sometimes bring it up. They got to score in the paint. They got to score on the outside. They are the utility guys of the NBA, and they do everything. Yeah, I don't think anybody. I don't think anybody's going to be mad at you for that one. But the, <laughs> they may be mad at you for you know they're going to they're going to accuse us of gatekeeping in terms of the you know the positioning you know with you know with Larry Bird because he's considered a small forward and LeBron even though yeah. I know he plays you know he plays big forward he's still considered a small forward. But outside of you know that that's what makes lists of that nature fun for me because there's no definitive list. It's all a ma- you know it's all a matter all a matter of opinion. Now, now, if you ask me my top five players of all time, LeBron is going to be in that list. There and you, you go. Be like, why is he in that list and not your top small forward? Because these are my small forwards. <laughs> okay, <laughs> that is fair. That is fair. Mm-hmm. All right. So, you know, so as I mentioned, you know, Boston, you know, they're fighting back throughout the third. They keep it relatively close in the fourth. We get down to just about a minute, you know, just 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 under two minutes. And we have a we have a scenario where Mikhail blocks McAdoo on a baseline jumper, like I said, just under a minute 40 and winds up actually controlling it. He pushes it ahead, pushes it up the court to Cedric Maxwell. Magic actually hustles back and takes what honestly was a pivotal charge on the play because not only would the shot have cut the lead down to three, but Magic would have actually fouled out if the call goes the other way. And Maxwell can't believe it. Yeah, there was plenty of opportunity to get it back into the middle, it looked like. But Max decides he's going to take it on his own. Let's see what happened. And there was Magic in perfect position, and he did it with five personals on. What a gamble. On the next defensive possession, Kareem you know, comes up with a steal on Dennis Johnson, pushes it ahead to Cooper you know, for the dunk, and essentially puts the game out of reach. An important possession for the Boston Celtics. Important defensive moment for the Lakers, and the Lakers turn it. Get it. Kareem to Cooper, and a big bucket. A big basket as Kareem Abdul-Jabbar on a steal. They played Dennis Johnson for the drive, and they closed everything down. There wasn't much room for him to make a pass. Seven-point lead with under a minute to go. The Lakers win this game 115-109. But the Los Angeles Lakers have won in Boston in a nine-game playoff streak at home and have beaten the Boston Celtics 115-109 to take a one-to-nothing lead. How are you feeling? Now, obviously, you didn't play in this series, but how are you feeling in the Lakers' position having gone in game one, stolen home court advantage, and in particular in the old school Boston Garden. That's what you said, the old school Boston Garden, where it's hard to win. It was hard to win there, even when I played in the Garden. But you have to look at this game. You always want to take a game one because that can let you know who you are as a team, especially going onto someone else's court and take that victory, especially Boston. This is your rival. This is a team you hate. This is a team that tries to take you out, not just mentally, but physically. So you go in and you get game one. It's a motivation factor. It's a scare tactic. It's to let you know, hey, those six years we lost to you, it ain't happened again. (laughs) For the Lakers' sake, if only that were the truth. (laughs) I know, right? (laughs) But fair enough, fair enough. That's That's how I would have felt about it. Absolutely. So now let's go to game two. Now, this is a must-win situation for the Celtics because you can't go down 0-2 at home, against, a, especially against a team that's rolling at the level that the Lakers were rolling at that point. So Boston jumps out to an early double-digit lead. 7-0 Boston. 
They've come out of the shoot red hot. I think uh, the Celtics got off to just the type of start they wanted and may have caught the Lakers a little bit by surprise, unlike game one. Only to see the Lakers fight back and cut it to within two at the half. Celtic lead at one time 13 has been cut to four and is concerned on the Boston side. And Kareem knocks it into the hands of Cooper. And here's Worthy. And the Lakers have come all the way back to within two. And the Celtics are stunned. They're like a fighter that's been knocked down. The buzzer sounds. And the Los Angeles Lakers with a 13-2 run winding up this first half have given the Boston Celtics something to think about. Magic and Bird are each phenomenal in game two. Big game, again, like as we mentioned, we're, we're going to be speaking to him later. He was absolutely on fire throughout, and he actually winds up shooting 11 for 12 from the floor. Worthy on a pass from Magic Johnson, and that's the best pass of the ball game inside. They better go back to the locker room and decide by lottery who's going to God worthy because nobody seems to know where he is. I had to double check that three to four times because I thought, no, there's no way he... Yeah, 11 for 12 from the floor in the finals. <laughs> so James Worthy, who missed the first shot of the game and then hit 11 in a row. And it was pretty much an evenly fought game across the board. Yeah, you know, you talk about the Celtics had to win this game. As much as we know how hard it is to win in the Garden, it's just as hard to win in the form. So if you're the Celtics, and you know, if you lose this game, you're down 0-2, and you go up into the form, you might well just say, hey, you know, we get ready to go fishing because you're not going to win two games in the form. But, you know, the Celtics battled hard in this game. And to that point, you know, I actually want to credit Casey Jones because he did, he did something that, that actually, I feel like, you know, kind of changed the momentum of this game. The Lakers were doing a good job of, or doing a better job in game two of limiting Mikhail. But you know, as I said, the biggest adjustment that I saw was Danny Ainge goes from playing two minutes in game one to playing 25 minutes in game two. Ainge controls for Boston. And Danny Ainge is going wild. Six for nine for Ainge. And 12 points. Not the best of shots, but it counts. He's a streaky shooter. And when he's hot, he's hot. I, again, not, you know, taking nothing away from the you know late great former Finals MVP Dennis Johnson, but he you know straight up he was rough in that game one and actually shot twenty three times. So the adjustment in game two, to be honest with you, you're going so heavily to Ainge. I actually I do think that changed you know, that kind of changed the tone of the game. Yeah, you know when you get a guy like Ainge who played Spidey in this series, he stayed ready. He stayed ready for the moment. Anytime they called on him, he came in, he did his thing, and he tried to play. But the things about adjustments were you know. We know Bird was going to do his thing, but you got guys like the Chief and you got Cedric Maxwell who went for 16 in this game at 12 rebounds because the, the way to stop the Lakers' fast break, the way to control the Lakers and get your fast break going was the rebound. Bird had 13, Chief had 11, Maxwell had 12. And think about it, double-digit rebounds from three people that can control the game. It really can. Magic Johnson is perfect from the free throw line. He's now six for six. 35 seconds showing on the clock. Celtics have two timeouts remaining. And the Lakers are up by two. All right, so moving forward, after a pair of magic free throws, you know, the Lakers have a two-point lead with just, you know, just 18 seconds left. As the Lakers have the lead by two points. So now what are the Celtics... What can they do with the Lakers having the ball with 20 seconds to play? This is the, this is the moment, to be honest with you, where I, I, I am looking forward to talking to Worthy about it because... Worthy, he's, he's trying to find Byron up on the wing. He floats a pass. Worthy will inbound to Magic Johnson. 
Worst comes to worst, the Celtics will have to foul. There's a steal by Henderson who lays it up. And it ends up getting picked off by Gerald Henderson. Now to Magic. Back over to Worthy, and it's picked off. Henderson takes it in. Yo, ties the game up with 13 seconds to go. Goes to Henderson, he lays it off and in. It's all tied up. A great play by Henderson. For, for, for a minute there, I could hear Johnny Moose going, Henderson steals the ball. <laughs> What do you think happened there? I don't want to say this was a matter of James Worthy, you know, just simply trying not to get fouled, but it definitely had a, a little bit of a hot potato look to it. I think sometimes in situations like you're trying to keep the ball moving mm-hmm. because so many guys nowadays, they think, oh, I'm going to knock down the two free throws. It ain't about the free throws. It's about the clock. It's about letting the clock run so the other team has less time because if you hold it and the guy comes and fouls you, the clock stops. But if you're moving it before the guy fouls you, the clock is your enemy. And so if you can do that without getting fouled successfully, you, you're be- you have a better chance. I think that's what Worthy was trying to do because most guys get the ball in the hand to try not to get fouled. Not because they're scared to go to the free throw line. It's because they're trying to make the clock their friend. It's like the coach's mantra in their head the entire time. Keep it moving, keep it moving, mm-hmm. you know, run the clock. I, I get it. I get it. Now, what about this play from the Celtics' perspective? And you know what? Kudos to, you know, to Gerald Henderson on it. Do you feel like th- that play actually is the play of the series? Because, like, let's be honest. If he doesn't make that play and the Lakers end up, you'll, you'll wind up winning this game, you know, to, you know, to the point that you made you know, at, the start, at the start of this, this is curtains. So even though I know you can't just say, like, oh, one play changes a series or one play determines a series, it felt yeah. like the play of the series for the Celtics. I, I think it was one of the plays of the series. I think the play of the series was, you know, Casey Jones, you know, playing the Mikhail, Ainge, and Webb. Because if you look down the line, they had, I think, what, eight guys in W figures in this game. And it takes a total team effort. That means everybody was engaged. Everybody came out and played hard because they know the importance of this game. But that moment, him playing good defense and understanding that, you know, Guys are going to try to move the basketball and stepping into the pass lane and getting that steal was huge. And in the final play, I'm going to be honest with you, this is the one that hurts. <laughs> this this is part of the reason why the series was you know got its unfortunate nickname. But Worthy inbounds the ball to Byron, who finds Magic just inside half court. Down the ninth second, Magic holds the ball. Magic trying to work on Maxwell. Magic has still got it down to two seconds. Magic has Cedric Maxwell defending him, and he's looking to try to get the ball inside to Kareem. He can't quite find the angle you know, that he wants, and he essentially winds up dribbling the clock out before, you know, before swinging it to Magadou you know, as the buzzer sounds. One second. He's going to have to shoot it. He doesn't get it off. He doesn't get it off. They get no shot at all. Now, the Celtics, they, they win this game 124-121. And that'll do it. And we're going to go to Los Angeles for game three on Sunday. Rob, I'll come to you because, of course, we're all humans, even though we expect superhuman things <laughs> at all times from our sports heroes. But was that simply a matter of what can happen to the best of us? You know, I, I think it's for me and I'm watching Magic. It was his willingness to always try to pass the ball. You can shoot the ball, so shoot it. And for you not to get off a shot with the time, you know, about to expire, it's just a mental error. It's something, you know, where you got to understand, yo, yo, it's better to throw up something than nothing. And I think if you could go back in time, Magic would have thrown up a shot because he has the ability to hit off-balance shots. So he could have hit off-balance shot to win the game. He could have sent so many other things and just dribble out the clock.
So, I mean, essentially it's a mindset thing at that stage, you know, where he's simply you know, just looking to be a distributor and, and not looking, you know, he's, he, so would you say essentially he was still a reluctant scorer at this stage? I, I do. I really do. You, you watch the game, there's so many times where he had shots and they're back off and trying to double team Kareem, not let Kareem or Worthy get the ball because there's a situation where Worthy, he's trying to get the ball to Worthy at one point and, and Parrish steals it. So, he has the, he had the ability to shoot, but he was so reluctant to shoot it. And and it's it's weird that we say this about one of the greatest players ever played this game, that he had a reluctancy to shoot the ball in games. But that's who he was. He was a pass first type of guy. And I, and I wish he would you know try to shoot that Jay, but he didn't. As crazy as it sounds, it's almost like history repeated itself because a, a guy that you know played sub, somewhat similarly in his image got the same type of you know the same type of criticisms down the line. Who are you talking about, Willis? I'm talking about LeBron. <laughs> Why are you looking at me like that? Like you didn't you didn't hear the same types of criticisms about LeBron James? You know, I thought you was talking about me because you know I got traded. To, to Detroit for not shooting the basketball. <laughs> so I thought you was talking about I, me. <laughs> Rob, I'm not here to throw shade at you. <laughs> I'm not here to throw it at you. Hey, you we know? boys, the boys can throw shade at each other. So I'm fine with it, man. <laughs> but, I hey, appreciate it. But you are talking about on the upper echelon level, and I think LeBron was that type of guy. But LeBron, was he's he was willing to shoot the ball. He just, he just you know, counted on his players to shoot it at the end when he everybody said, yo, you need to take the last shot. But, hey. Every great player passes the ball. Michael Jordan did, Kobe Bryant did, and guys just have to knock down the shots. I'm never going to be mad at folks for making what, what the quote-unquote right basketball play. I'm just not going. Exactly. All right, let's take another break here on NBA Finals File. When we come back, the series heads west to L.A., and two of the best teams of all time are going toe-to-toe. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code DKHOOPS. That's code DKHOOPS for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction, void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See DKNG dot com slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions terms and responsible gaming resources if you use paper you're a human but if you choose paper you're a papertarian someone who lives a paper-based lifestyle because it has a positive impact on the planet and also because it's the easiest choice you'll make all day seriously it's as easy as reaching for boxed instead of bottled water it's as easy as opting for beauty products that come in paper packaging it's as easy as grabbing eggs in a cardboard container. And that's all in one trip to the grocery store, which, if we're being honest, you were planning to go to anyway. But paper isn't just an easy choice. Papertarians know that it's the smart choice, too. Because paper comes from trees, a renewable and sustainably managed resource. And paper products are designed to be recycled. In fact, when you choose products that come in paper-based packaging, those fibers can go on to be recycled up to seven times. 
So why wouldn't you go Papertarian? I'll wait. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Here's the L.A. break. Cooper and Magic Johnson. The Los Angeles Lakers look like nothing could stop them. All right, back here on NBA Finals File. Let's keep it rolling. Game three in Los Angeles. I'll be honest with you, there's not a lot to go. There's not a lot to discuss here because it was a finals route. This has to be one of the most decisive routes in championship game history. The Lakers just poured it on the Celtics for this one with seven players reaching double figures while the Celtics couldn't really get much going beyond Larry's 30-point night. The Celtics cannot handle the speed of the Lakers. As well as a good game from uh, from Scott Wedman off the bench with 16. Wedman going for three, and he hits a three-pointer. So Scott Wedman with a big three-point play. It looks like he's on the mark so far. Magic disses out 21 assists. Magic to Rambus, another two. Speaking of the Magic Man, back home in the form, his first triple-dove of the series, 14 points, 21 assists, 11 rebounds. Magic Johnson oh. coming right back down with the layup. And he went through the Celtics as if there were only two men out there. Like a hot knife through butter. Think about that. 21 assists, man. He was moving the basketball. And that goes back to last game where he's trying to get people involved. And in game three at home, he got a lot of people involved, especially Mr. McAdoo. Listen, I recognize throughout history there have been great offenses. You know, there will be people that point to the Suns, you know, those great Suns teams with the seven seconds or less. There will be people that, you know, speak to many of the Spurs teams for many reasons. For my money, for my taste, the Showtime Lakers with Magic pushing the ball in the break is the, is the greatest offensive experience that you can have. Yeah, especially when you got guys filling the lane, especially Worthy, and and even Kurt Rammers. The Lakers are crisp, they're sharp, and it's all working for them right now. Double team on Kareem. Rambis drives in. That's what Shabar does so well. Find the open man going to the hoop when he's double teamed. You know, we we haven't talked about Kurt Rambis yet. He has 17 points in that game. The guy who just goes in the paint, pounds and grounds, and does all these things, the little dirty things. So 17 points for him. And Mike McGee, 15 points. You know, that. Those guys are usually in the 7 to 10-point range, but when they're able to get 17 points and 15 points, you know you got a dub. I'm not shocked at all that you are the one to bring up the unsung heroes because to be <laughs> and, and we alluded to this in the first couple episodes. I, you know that I'm of the opinion. You know what you're getting from the main guys. It's usually the others that end up making the difference in the series. So th- those are absolutely important points. All right, so... The Lakers route them. You know, it, it, there's really not much going you know, you know, to, to take from this. At least it doesn't seem like it. The, the final score was 137 to 104. Are there any takeaways from a game like this in the series, or, the, or does it just serve as an anomaly where the winning coach says, "Okay, like let's go ahead and just <laughs> let's go ahead and just roll the ball out again"? What 
you use it as a motivation factor. And I guarantee you that KC went in there and says, these guys just beat the brakes off of you. Do you have any pride? And when you're a professional athlete, and this is something sound weird, you'd rather get beat by four or five points than to get blown out because that's embarrassing. And the next game, you want to come out and show people like, oh, that wasn't us. That was a fluke. You're going to come out and you're going to play harder. You're going to dive on the floor for balls. You're going to do so many different things to make sure that you show people that you're better than getting beat by 30-plus points. So that was a motivating factor for the Celtics going into game four. I've been in a lot of embarrassing situations before, but uh, this is definitely one of them, you know. I just feel that, uh, you know, we got some great players on this team, but we don't have the players with uh, the hearts sometimes that we need. And uh, until we get our hearts uh, where they belong, uh, we're in trouble. On that note, let's go ahead and take it to game four because we're still in Los Angeles and this is officially when the series gets testy. After a made bucket. Hold on. Oh, this, no, this, this series gets very testy. Yes, <laughs> extremely <laughs> testy. Kareem swings the elbow and now is killing it Larry Bird. Jaw to jaw. So after a made bucket early on, Bird hip checks Cooper out of bounds, where Coop definitely sold it, you know, he sold it on top of the action itself. But you know, let's be real, Bird just hip checks him <laughs> just out of nowhere. Yeah. Now Kareem with McHale guarding feeds Cooper. And the Celtics just have not been able to pick up that cut. Larry Bird backed up Michael Cooper into the photographer's lane as he got the inbounds pass. Carr going up. Carr again. Foul. Michael Cooper was behind Larry Bird when Bird, under the Celtic basket, was inbounding it. And Larry just backed him away. Here is going for the ball out of bounds, and Cooper trying to get around them. So he just backs them into the crowd to create some room and a little bit too close to the camera people. I hope they got a close-up of, of that. When I look at that, it reminds me of that song, Doing the Butt, because he puts his butt on him and pushes him out of bounds. <laughs> Larry got a bigger, okay. For the five people that will know that reference, I hope that I hope that they appreciate it. But the series was really on after Kareem outlets it to Worthy, who found Rambis streaking up the lane for what would have been a dunk if not for the fact that Kevin McHale just basically obliterates him with a clothesline. Here's Kareem, outlet to Worthy, Rambis. And now let's watch it. Cooper and the Celtics, and now the bench is empty as Larry Bird helps... Kurt Rambis up. He was decked by two Celtics and hit the floor hard. Timeout. L.A. by six. And things have really heated up here at the forum. <laughs> you know, it gets everybody up, gets everybody involved. It winds up spilling into the fans behind the basket. Rob, this is the point where I'm going to be honest with you. As I was watching the footage, I was like, I wish I was sitting next to Rob right now because you strike me as an old school guy. Was that just good hard basketball or was that cheap even by 80 standards? That was cheap by even 80 standards. And you watch the broadcast, Tommy Heinsohn tried to say, oh, he was trying to hold him up. That is BS on that one, man. He was not trying to hold him up. He was trying to take him out. And if you look at this series, it got a little tested from this point on where guys know what's at stake. They know they're down. They got to win this game. They don't want to go down 3-1. So they coming at you hard and heavy. And for them to take Ramos out, for them to put Coop in the stands, you know the Celtics and Bird weren't going to try to lose this game. They were trying to do everything possible that they could to win this game. And completely understandable, again, even at this point, the Lakers had a six-point lead at the time of the takedown, but they still actually had control of the game. They had mm -hmm. a five-point lead in the final minute of this game. 
So coming down to the end, Paris grabs the Boston's third rebound of the possession and finishes with it in traffic while getting an and one with just under 30 seconds. Cooper puts a fake on and a big shot for Cooper. The rebound, Paris, and the foul against the Lakers. That's on Kareem, I believe. And that'll be number six for Abdul-Jabbar. So Kareem fouls out the, the very next time down. He you know, finishes with 32 points. It's 16 seconds left. Bird knocks down a free throw to tie the game up. And, of course, these are big free throws coming up for Larry Bird. You know, great players like Larry Bird and Magic Johnson love to be in this situation. He makes one. Kareem fouled out. He scored 32 points and had eight rebounds. His 32 matched his point total in game number one. Big free throw coming up. And the Celtics tie it up. The Lakers will call their last timeout and try, they hope, to set up the winning basket with 16 seconds to go. With Kareem out, Boston then loads the defense up on the side that Magic's trying to operate from. And this is that this is that, that scenario that you were alluding to earlier. Rambus to Magic. To be sure they won't let the time run out this time as they did in game two. Magic's trying to hit Worthy you know, from the post and he's got Paris literally just hanging all over him. Eight seconds. Celtics call a timeout with three seconds to play. And Magic Johnson didn't have anywhere to go with it. And another big steal by Paris, who saved the game for Boston in overtime in last Thursday's second game. Yes, you know, this is the situation where I, I, I think back to every coach I ever had, and they're saying, fake a pass to make a pass. Magic doesn't fake it. He just tries to throw an over-the-top pass to Worthy to a guy who's taller than Worthy in Paris, and he steals it, and oh no, here's another turnover. Bird fires it up, misses, one second, McHale shot, no good, overtime, again. So Bird almost makes a running one-footer, and McHale actually rebounds it and, and misses a point-blank shot that would have that would have won the game for the Celtics in regulation. Bird came close, McHale came close, but they go to overtime, the second overtime of this World Championship Series. But then it goes overtime. Yeah, it, it goes overtime. But you go back and you, 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 when you look at shots like Bird and McHale having, you know, pot shots pretty much, mm-hmm. and for them to miss them, that's almost like, okay, we're going to win this thing in overtime. Okay, they did a the run. They came back. We only scored 45 points in the second half, and that's not like the Lakers have been doing all series. You think about it. They just scored 68 points in the first half, and then they start missing a lot of shots in the second half, and they didn't have as many buckets. But, yo, you know, they say we can go to overtime. We got momentum. We should win this thing. But the unfortunate thing is Kareem's not there. So the Celtics actually pull away in overtime. As it, yeah. It's clear that they that the Lakers miss Kareem and, and really don't have a second option. So I'm, I'm going to come to you with this, and this is difficult because I don't in any way want to, you know, make this about Riley, but one of the things that I did notice is when Kareem wasn't an option it, it and the fast break wasn't there, it did it just simply didn't seem like they had a lot of options. Yeah, it, To me, they should have ran the same plays they ran for Kareem, for Worthy, getting him off the move, but they didn't do that. They could have did it. They, they had some great plays where they ran McAdoo baseline and some jumpers. It was almost like we don't have a cap. What should we do? And that's the, that's the good thing about a lot of coaches. They learn from their mistakes. They learn that, okay, I got to figure out if I can't get 
cream? What is my second? What is my third option? And you know, Pat Riley's a heck of a coach. And he figured it out for the next game. He certainly did. And and this one, like like I said, the Celtics won it. They wrap it up 129-125 in overtime. Nearly a steal by Worthy. Dennis Johnson with Cooper all over him. He can't do a thing. Bird turnaround hits with 16 seconds to go. And the Lakers call their last, although they have one more. They call a timeout. In overtime, Worthy stolen by Emil Carr. And the Boston Celtics have even this NBA World Championship Series at two games apiece. As crazy as it sounds, Bird's just 9 for 24 on the night, but he still puts up a 29 and 21 game. You know, watching this series and you watch Bird, you know, for him to be a great scorer, and everybody knows he's a great scorer, he gets quiet buckets all the time. What I mean by that is he gets a tip in here because he wasn't a dunker. He gets an offensive rebound here. He gets an and one here, and he comes off a pick. You know, we think of Bird. When you think of Bird, you think of three-pointers, right? But this guy got buckets in the paint. This guy was a guy who can get buckets anywhere. Bird inside, goes up, gets the basket. But the shocking one was he got 21 rebounds. Your eyes are open up for that. A 20-20 game, man. So that is Larry Legend at his best. Absolutely at his best. And one of the many reasons why, even though he was a, you know, a, a hated Celtic, he's one of my favorite players to ever play this game. Absolutely one of my favorites. But, you know, also talking about DJ couple games back, getting substituted by Dan Ainge. He has a bounce, a bounce back game. Bird, missing, tipped up and in. I think it was Dennis Johnson. It is Dennis Johnson, who's playing a marvelous game. 22 points, 14 assists. And then you've got my favorite guy, because his name is Robert <laughs> Parrish. <laughs> you know, he had 25 and 12 rebounds. So these guys went to work. And that's the thing about great players. When their backs are against the wall, they step up in the most adverse situations. To your point on DJ, I actually made the note, it's an, it's an adjustment that Casey made again. He went mm-hmm. back heavy to DJ. You know, the previous game, he kind of you know, he kind of you know split time with, with Danny Ainge, but uh, DJ actually played 50 minutes in this game and you know, you know and, and dished out 14 assists. So can you speak to the motivation of, of a player? When you sit, like, you know, for instance, it's not in any way that he's beating, you know, that he's a bad teammate or that he doesn't want Danny Ainge to succeed. But as a veteran and again, as a guy, you know, former finals MVP in his own right, can you speak to the, what that type of motivation is when you, you know, you basically get sat down? You know, a lot of times you, you have to do what's best. Let's look at yourself in the mirror and says, what do I need to do to be better? Do I need to be more aggressive? Do I need to be in attack mode? And if you've watched DJ in his game, he came out and he was in attack mode. And sometimes when you sit back, that takes you out of your rhythm. And he's a rhythm-type player. So he came out. He was shooting his jumper. He was just playing basketball. And I know that sounds weird that the game is called basketball, but sometimes you just let the game come to you. You flow. You come off the dribble. You take shots. And when you're doing that and not looking for other people, you can get your game going. And once you get your game going, it makes it easy for the other players like I always talk about. And DJ was that guy. He got his points, and he got his assists. And last note that I that you know that I that I saw here, big game had thirty in this one, including ten in overtime, and once again fourteen for seventeen on the night, just absolutely ridiculous. As crazy yes. as crazy as it is, is if this if this series goes a different direction, big game might actually you know be a two time Finals MVP. So true, because he had that worthy spin in the block, and he was going to work on Larry Bird. <laughs> oh, he was. All right, we'll stop here for this episode as the series is two two and things are seriously heating up. Be sure to catch our breakdown of games five through seven, as well as finals file awards on the next episode. 
And in the second part of the series, we'll have a special guest joining the show. Big Game James Worthy will be coming on to join us and give us firsthand perspective on this incredible series. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. With the new Dexcom G7, you can achieve better diabetes results without painful finger sticks. It sends your glucose numbers to your compatible phone or watch so you can always see where you are and where you're heading. See how food and exercise affects your glucose, making it easier to spend more time in range and lower your A1C. Take more control of your diabetes with the number one recommended CGM brand. It's easy to get started today at Dexcom.com. That's Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com slash compatibility.